guys ready to worship the Lord this morning? I'm coming back to the start where you found me. I'm coming back to your heart. I surrender, take me. This is all I can bring. Oh Lord, I'm coming back to the start. Somebody give him a hand clap of praise. Hey Amen. We're sure glad you're in the house of the Lord this morning. How many happy to be here? Praise the Lord. Well, as we continue to worship the Lord this morning, let's let our heart and our, our minds and our all our all our being just reach out and love on him this morning because he's so worthy. Amen. He's the only king forever. He delivers us, sets us free, makes us victorious. And as we worship him, let's just keep all those things in mind as we love and give our love back to him. Amen. 
let's put our hands together. We bless you, Jesus.
Bless your name, Jesus. You're worthy, Lord. Jesus, oh Lord. 
into your arms the riches of your love will always be enough nothing compares to your embrace light of the world think it's a good idea to run to Jesus' arms. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, this morning, we'll have some ministry time here during our worship. But it's really quick into the book of Joel about how God was restoring. He was restoring what the locusts had taken and the swarming locusts. But we had a prophetic word going into this year. This would be a year of restoration. So I kind of want to remind us of that as we go into worship and our ministry team's coming right now and, and pray for you. Maybe you feel like you've been stolen from in an area where the enemy has come and taken peace. He's come and taken joy. He's taken finances. He's come in the middle of a relationship. And, you know, we have a father that's into restoring. I mean, he came to restore relationship, first of all, but he, he woke up in a good mood. He's for you. He wants to restore. He wants to help you. And it's always good to agree with somebody. So let's continue to worship. Altar team, come up. If you want prayer for anything, you might need wisdom in an area, whatever it is, healing in your body. These people agree and pray with you. And oh, Lord, your Replace the land of my 
gives you plenty of opportunities to get connected through classes, small groups, and outreaches. If you're a first-time guest, fill out the white card in the seat back in front of you, drop it in the offering, or you can bring it across the hall to the Connect Room where you'll receive a free gift bag. Don't forget about our Saturday night meal and snacks between services on Sunday mornings in the Connect Cafe. Our coffee bar is always open. so glad that you're here and we hope that you know that there's always a place for you at Church on the Rock.
a night of refreshing this Wednesday night. There will be no classes or small groups. There will be prayer at 6.30 and everyone will be in the main service that will start at 7 p.m. There will be extended worship and ministry time, so come soak in the presence of God and be refreshed. So you have old furniture. You bring that furniture to our warehouse. We find a local family in need and bring it to their home. It's that simple. Furnished by faith. If you're interested in knowing more or volunteering for this brand new ministry, there will be a meeting with refreshments upstairs in Kids Zone on Sunday morning, May 3rd at 1015. Amen. Well, welcome to Church on the Rock. How's everybody doing? Great, man. We are glad that you're here this morning. Such a great day to worship God. It's actually not raining. Amen. Man, some of you guys maybe need to get out and mow your yard like me. Maybe this, well, it's, today's like the day where we rest. So maybe, maybe tomorrow. Okay. Anyways, uh, <laughs> it's going to rain tomorrow. Hire someone to come mow your yard. Do something. Anyway, we're glad that you're here this morning, and uh, God is just in this place. Uh, like you saw in the announcement video, uh, if you're a guest here, we're so happy that you're here. If you want some more information about our church, we would love to meet you. You can go in the connect room right after service. We have a free gift for you. Or if you want to join the church, that's the place that you go as well. Uh, what we've been doing the last, I guess, five or six weeks uh, that Pastor John's been gone, if you don't know, our senior pastor has been out of town for a few weeks. He's on sabbatical, and uh, we're just praying that he's going to have a blessed time. He's been here for 25 years, and uh, man, that's a lot of a lot of weight to carry. So we're just praying that he's having a great time. But we're going to take time out of the service just to pray for a second. Is that okay? Pray with me, Lord. We love you, God. We lift you up this morning. We say that you are good. And Lord, right now we pray for our senior pastor, Pastor John. Lord, would you bless him right now where he is? Lord, we thank you that you are just the healer. You're the great physician. You're the one that restores and replenishes. God, we thank you for all of his service and his faithfulness. And God, over the next five or six weeks as he's gone, would you just uh, fire him up? God, would you get him ready for the next season of his life? God, would you just refresh him? And Lord, right now, we just call him blessed. We pray for his family, Miss Linnell, John Henry, uh, Bethany, and Rebecca. Lord, would you bless them? God, thank you for our pastor. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. We're going to continue to worship the Lord with our tithes and offerings. But, you know, yesterday we had a men's uh, breakfast, had a great time. Matter of fact, I kind of uh, grabbed the church camera and took several pictures just to be able to display it with you. So let's do that slideshow right now. Okay, this first slide is uh, all the men, about 70-some men in our uh, cafe area. Pastor Ron's there preaching a word about how to be a mighty man of God. This next one's our archery contest we had out in the parking lot, and Nisa brought all of her kids and set the archery contest up. And this is uh, Kevin and Randy, the two that won the archery contest, but, uh, you know, and uh, you took some pictures for me too, right, Pastor Nick? And uh, we'd like to know the staff member that took the SD card out of the church camera. And uh, I'm not going to accuse my wife. We've been married 34 years, and I know better than that, so that was evidently my fault, but... It really was a great time. The men came together and uh, wish we had some real pictures, but um, anyhow. You know, we do have a guest here this weekend, and uh, Pastor Ron Hammonds, would you and your wife Brenda stand up? And uh, a lot of you might know him. He grew up in this area, but uh, he's going to be sharing with us today. He was here a couple of weeks ago, and I know we were, had a lot of great report from there, great word last night. Uh, we're going to give him the pulpit right after uh, we receive the offering. 
but just open your hearts up. I mean, this he came and shared with our staff for two days just on leadership. And I'm telling you, just some great principles. Uh, and when it's the things that just, and he says, you're going to learn some things and you're going to remember some things. And it was definitely that way. You want to have principles before problems. And he might touch on that one a little bit. You set some principles up before the problems come instead of the other way around. But you know, as we uh, worship today, and you know, when you give, that's a form of worship. You know, right now, a lot of times, oh, we're just kind of doing the offering. It's a separate thing. No, it's part of worship. You know, we offer our bodies as living sacrifice. You went out and offered your bodies all week to, to do some sort of work or service to get a paycheck. And now we give that 10% to the Lord. But, you know, you ever once in a while hear somebody say, oh, the church, all they do is talk about money. You know, we'll mention it every week because it's an important thing in our life. And God wants to bless us in that. But just a thought, have you ever driven by and seen an atheist hospital? Any atheist hospitals? I've yet to see one yet. But yeah, you see Baptist hospitals, Catholic hospitals, Methodist hospitals, and how did they get built? With Christians' money, like you or me, when they gave. And uh, we don't have a church on a rock hospital right now, at least in Texarkana, but in Mexico, there literally is a church on a rock hospital, and I know in Africa and different places. But whether you ever see one here in the area or not, every time you give, you're giving to ministry. You're investing in the kingdom. And I was talking to one of our accountants and uh, some people that do the book work, and you know, first of all, there's 13% that just set aside. We try to raise that every year just to go to missions and outreach. And $1,000 a day out of this church is given to missions, to outreach, whether it's local or, or across the nation. So I want to give, let's give God a big hand for a church that's a giving church and just appreciate your faithfulness. And I'm telling you, during this time while Pastor John's gone, there's nothing better than if he came back and everything's healthy like it is. Amen. And just appreciate your faithfulness, continuing to be at the services and continuing to give. And let's just pray right now. Father, we bless you. We thank you for this opportunity to say we love you, to give our tithe and our offering. And Lord, we thank you. You want us to have a blessed life. If we'll just do things your way. It's a simple thing. We just trust you in that. And so we just want to say we trust you today. And meet those needs of people today that might have a little worry or fear that you'll come with your peace and let them know everything will be all right. In Jesus' name, amen. And I don't want to sing another song. Just to hear myself sing Wanna bring you more than empty words Cause you mean so much more to me I won't let the rocks cry They won't praise you more than me doesn't touch your heart then Father I don't want to sing cause if your presence is with me then I don't want to go
that plows, you may be seated. It's the worship that plows our hearts and prepares us to hear the word of the Lord, breaking up that fallow ground in our life, plowing through the moments that we have spent during this week. And if you're not watchful, the week can kind of crust you over. And, uh, you know, you come into worship and it plows us and, and it gets us ready to receive the seed of God's word. And today that's what we're going to do. Today we're going to hear the word of the Lord and something that God tells us today, something is going to make a difference to you because God has you here with purpose. And when we gather together in his name, he is right there in the midst and almost without exception, uh, you know, uh, almost, uh, I'm not going to say it doesn't matter what I say because that would, that would uh, not be the truth, but it matters more what you hear than what I say. No matter how much I say or what I say, if you don't embrace it and take it home with you, then, uh, you know, it, it won't make a difference to you. And God knows that. So God is often, most often, the voice within the voice that you hear this morning. And, you know, I have been in places before and people credit me with saying things that changed their life. And, you know, just quite frankly, I don't remember saying those things. <laughs> I certainly didn't mean it like that. But God is a master of taking whatever we offer him and making something out of it. And so this morning, would you just join me as we just offer this moment to God and let him make something out of it today in our lives? Let's pray. Father, Lord, we give you this moment fresh again. Lord, our hearts are open. Lord, our minds are clear. We're focused, Lord, on this opportunity you've given us to set aside a moment to hear a word from the Lord, a prepared word for our hearts, Lord, our lives. God, that will help us in our moment, Lord, will help us, God, to go from this place and, Lord, encourage others in their walk, Lord, that will prepare us for a future, Lord, that we have not even imagined yet. Lord, we just thank you, sir. Speak to us today, Lord, in some way to make us, Lord, more useful servants in your kingdom, Lord, and God, just to have, have, have a greater life, Lord, make a better living, Lord, a better life, Lord, and a greater difference. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
There are two or three things I want to tell you before I start preaching, and then we're still going to get out of here on time, okay? So you'll uh, just, just, just take whichever one of these things uh, fits you this morning. Uh, first of all, if you were to go to the book of Judges, we're not going there today. We're going to be going actually uh, to the book of Philippians. But, uh, but if you were to go to the book of Judges and read chapter 13, you would find that God visited a man and his wife. The man's name was Manoah. And uh, we're not told what his wife was. They lived uh, in a little town um, not too far from Tel Aviv, not too far from Ben-Gurion Airport, actually. Uh, It's a little uh, valley of Sorek, kind of, right in that little area there. And um, they... uh, it was during the time of the judges and, and uh, the angel of the Lord, when he visited this woman in Judges chapter 13, he told her that she was going to have a son. And if you're familiar with the story, you know the son turns out to be Samson, who is this mighty deliverer, you know, and does great feats. I mean, he's just, he's just stronger. He's, he's just amazing, okay? And he really wreaks havoc among the Philistines uh, all of his life. And uh, the most favorite story, of course, that most people know about Samson comes from a few chapters later, chapter 16, where he fell in love with Delilah and then what ensued afterwards. And and even the great victory over the Philistines that Samson uh, uh, had in his death. But back to the angel visiting his mother prior to her conceiving him. The angel told the mother that your son... Um, don't let him uh, cut his hair. Don't let him. Um, don't let him drink anything, any wine, any alcoholic beverages. In fact, don't even eat any raisins or any grapes, because he's going to be a dedicated Nazarite. You can uh, Nazarites in the Bible were people who were living a very clean, a legalistically clean and holy life so that they could uh, uh, represent God in a greater way. And so when the angel said to uh, Samson's mother before she conceived, this is what your son needs. Make sure he doesn't cut his hair. Make sure he does not eat his, drink anything. He also said to her, he said to her more than once, and then he repeated it to her husband. And he said to her, the angel said to her husband, you make sure that your wife, Samson's mother, does not eat anything that comes from the fruit of the vine, that she, you know, goes all the way through that. There is a picture right there of God encouraging parents, in this case, the mother of Samson, that this is how your son needs to be. And in order for your son to be all that he needs to be, I'm going to need you also to be what you need to be. I need you to live a clean life and a holy life because I need your son to live a clean life and a holy life. You see, that's a picture of of parents. What we do uh, and what we don't do makes a difference. If you do not want your children, whether they're biological children or, or spiritual children or disciples, if you do not want those who are following you and those who are depending on you to raise them and show them the way, if you don't want them doing something, let me encourage you don't be doing it yourself. Okay. That's just a word from the Lord. You can receive that if you would. And here's a secondary word. Let me, let me encourage you with this word. You know, uh, Samson got his hair cut. 
and all of his strength left him. Now, that was pretty much Samson's fault. You know, Samson uh, uh, kind of brought that on himself, okay? Even though Delilah had a definite part in it. But there came a day Even though Samson's hair was cut, even though he lost his strength, even though it appeared he had lost what God had given him and he had his eyes put out, he became a slave and and he was tortured and he was used for the enemy's benefit. They put him on display and they looked at him and they jeered him and they used him as a testimony and as an example of how, you know, the gods of the Philistine were greater than than, uh, the gods of the Jews. And even though they made all of that pomp and even though, you know, they ridiculed him and no doubt he felt bad. No doubt Samson felt guilty. No doubt he did because he brought it on himself. He should have been a little smarter than that, but he wasn't. He was a man called of God, a man prepared by God, one that was used by God mightily, and then he fell into uh, sin as we would uh, categorize it, and he lost his anointing, and he lost his, his strength, and he he lost his viability and he gave great cause for the work and the word of God to be blasphemed. Oh, what a horrible, horrible situation to find yourself in, enslaved uh, because you did something you should not have done, limited, no longer strong, no longer powerful, no longer called the man of the hour, no longer a hero, but now a zero and uh, living in the enemy's camp. But the Bible says that there came a time that Samson's hair began to grow. (laughs) You know, if that's you, you can grow your hair back. Maybe not (laughs) your hair. There was a good amen there, brother, but uh, it's a little bit of a (laughs) strenuous. You can grow that spiritual strength, that covering. You can grow that grace. You can grow the favor of God back. God has not forsaken you. God has not, uh, you know, finished with you. Without respect to whatever may have happened in your life or your situation or circumstance, uh, whether you cause it or whether it happened to you, let me tell you that, 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 that your hair is growing. You may not even recognize it. Others around you may not recognize it. They may not realize it. But God is on an adventure in your life, growing your hair back because he's not finished with you. Your greatest day is yet ahead. So if that uh, ministers to anyone as well, you can have that as well, okay? Uh, One other thing before I get to the word (laughs) that I have today. Um... We think what we think, we feel what we feel, we want what we want because we believe what we believe. Let me say that a time or two more. Let me put it on you, even though, you know, I actually should say we more because it gets you to buy into it when I don't point a finger at you. I understand that, but let me put it on you personally. You think what you think. You feel what you feel. And you want what you want because you believe what you believe. Now, that's okay if you believe the truth and if you believe the right thing. But if you're believing the wrong thing, 
It can make you want things that are wrong, think things that are wrong, feel things that aren't right. If you ever get that inkling in your life that you're not thinking right, God's marvelous to give us that little unction that you're not feeling right, that you're not wanting something that's right, but nonetheless, you think it, feel it, and want it. <laughs> you know, you can think and feel and want things that are not best for you. You can think and feel and want things that are not in agreement with the word of God. But you know, you can never go outside of the word of God to accomplish the will of God. We can't, we just can't embrace something that is not the word of God, hoping or being deceived into believing that in some way it's going to accomplish the will of God. So if you find yourself thinking, feeling, or wanting something that does not line up with the word of God, then most likely it, it, it has its root in what you believe. Um, I was a product of that early on in my life. I believed a lie from a very early age. I really believed that nobody liked me. I believed that nobody loved me. I believed that no one cared about me. I have one of the saddest stories that my wife does not like me to tell. But, you know, a little boy sitting on, 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 on a porch on a dirt road in the summertime you know, with my arm around my dog, his name was Jack. I remember it like it was yesterday, and it's a pitiful sight. I was crying with my arm around Jack as this boy that felt alone and lonely, and, you know, hearing people talk about how, how um, now we would know I was ADD, but just what a trouble I was. You know, they would make me drink some green medicine. My mom would make me go out and run around around the house where she would let me sit down at the dinner table every evening. And if I couldn't be still, she'd make me go out and run around around the house again, you know. And uh, my mom was uh, not, not supposed to have any more children and, uh, uh, and, and, and she had me and I, it, uh, she uh, had some mental problems because of, of some pain that she was enduring. Um, and and it, it, it ended up that uh, she had to take a lot of drugs. And in those days, we didn't know a whole lot about the effects, but it ends up that, that, that uh, th those drugs uh, did affect me. And I was uh, born and went through withdrawals and cried a lot. And she couldn't handle it mentally. And so she had to lay me down by orders. Anytime I started crying, lay me down on the floor and leave the room and shut the door and go outside because either she was going to have a nervous breakdown or they were concerned that perhaps she would beat me or something on that line. And, uh, uh, you know, and uh, I had sweetest mom ever, but uh, she just didn't know how to cope or how to handle uh, me and... Uh, uh, she had a lot of other things in life that were difficult for her. Wonderful, wonderful mom, wonderful lady. And uh, so it started off early in life that I kind of felt abandoned, which is not the truth. I can look back on it now and see it wasn't the truth. But at, at some point in my life, I really believed that, you know, I was pretty much alone and hugging my dog and crying and telling him, you know, how how, you know, you're the only one that loves me. You're the only, you know, there's just me and you, Jack. We're just, you know, it's just me and you, buddy. You're the only one. And, and uh, you know, I heard an old pickup uh, driven by a man named Mr. Dalt Rogers checking on his cows coming down that dirt road I lived on, rattling. Jack heard it, and he pulled out of my arms and ran out there to chase that truck, and Mr. Dalt hit him. And, and uh, you know, 
broke his uh, uh, back and Mr. Dalt was so sorry. I went out there and I felt so bad and he said, I'll take care of him, son. I said, no, no, he's my dog. I was just a little boy, you know, 10 years old. And so Mr. Dalt drove on and there by myself, you know, you can imagine what I did. I, I put Jack down, I told him I loved him, you know, petted him, hugged him, kissed him, and uh, sent him to be with Jesus. <laughs> Those kinds of things come along in life whenever you're already believing something about yourself. It seems as though that life can supply plenty of opportunity to reinforce those things that you're thinking, feeling, and wanting that are all negative about you or your situation or why it's not going to work. So, you know, at 12 years old, I, I, I saw Brenda for the first time, fell in love with her at first sight, asked her for a date. She wouldn't date me. I bugged her for five years till she finally dated me and uh, took her on a date and we started dating and, and uh, you know, uh, uh, man, I, I, I loved her. I just loved her and, and I, I, I really just, you know, that's just, I wanted to marry her. And I did everything I could to present myself uh, as her future. And for whatever reason, she agreed to marry me and we got engaged. And, and so she graduated high school. She's, she was a, a grade ahead of me. It could have been three or four, but they were merciful and just let me pass the rest of them. And, um, but uh, uh, I was in my senior year James Bowie High School in Sims, Texas. She was working out in New Boston at the Piggly Wiggly for Mr. Hiram Shoots. And, and uh, you know, I was working 48 hours a week while I was going to school. And, you know, greasing trucks, working for Mr. Wimpy McCoy at 7-Eleven there. There was uh, in, in town on, on Highway 8. And just, uh, you know, uh, 17 years old, engaged to my sweetheart that I had loved forever. And uh, things were rolling along, except we weren't seeing one another much. And in January of 1973, I'd just turned 18 in, in December, but in January of 1973, uh, uh, one day I was at work after school and, and uh, Brenda came in and gave me my ring back and said, I don't want to be married. Uh, I, I don't want to marry you. I don't want to be engaged anymore. I'm, I'm, I, there, there, there's another fellow that I would like to date. And, you know, I'm not the kind of girl that's going to two time you. I want you to know up front here, here's your ring. We're not engaged anymore. Uh, you know, I'm not sure I ever liked you to begin with <laughs> kind of thing. Well, broke my heart. I did a couple of things I shouldn't have done. Uh, uh, ended up with her on my back, beating me in the head, pulling my hair, scratching me, and ended up with, uh, uh, it, it just wasn't a pretty sight. <laughs> uh, I didn't make things better, by the way. Here's a, here's a good rule of thumb. You think bad, you think things are bad now? Believe me, no matter how bad they are, you can make them worse. 
<laughs> and this is one of the first things I tell people that are having trouble, okay? Number one, you leave here, if you leave here with nothing else, you leave here with a, with a, with a commitment that you're not gonna make it worse. <laughs> just don't make it worse. Just, you know, uh, bring, bring me your problems, we can, we, we can work on them, but just can you not make it worse? You know, if you're in a hole, one of the first things you wanna do if you want out of the hole is stop digging, okay? Okay, just don't make it worse, okay? Whatever you do. You know, I think St. Thomas Aquinas was the one that said, act, don't react. You know, uh, there, there, there's always something you can do to make it a little better or at least not make it worse. You know? And there's a whole bunch of things you can do to make things worse. Well, I made it worse. I made her and her sister afraid of me. And I, 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 I jumped uh, on a guy that I saw her with and I got uh, the city on me. I got everything else happening to me, and it ends up with her scratching me, pulling my hair, telling me how much she hates me, hitting me about the neck and head, and uh, shook her off a couple of times in the parking lot, and she rolled around. But suffice it to say, she didn't want anything else to do with me. I was in a dilemma. The dilemma that I was in is that I loved her but I had really messed this up. I hadn't paid enough attention to her. I'd been working, you know, trying to, you know, I bought her some rings and I was working, I was working hard, working all the time. I just get to see her a little bit during the week and she was working and we just grew apart. All the things that I can see now that happened, but then I really messed it up bad and had no more chance of, of, of this. And so um, three days later, I got off at 7-Eleven about 11.30. I hopped in my car. I had a hot rod, man. You know, I drove out to Carbondale, Texas. That's out uh, uh, between Maud and Sims, almost at Sims, where I got pulled over by a state trooper last night right there. Uh, <laughs> nice guy. Maybe he'll be at church today. Uh, <laughs> Right there at Carbondale. I had a friend that lived there on the hill. It was right down the road from where she lived. And uh, I pulled up on that hill and I went and uh, knocked on my friend's bedroom window. Uh, I've been 18 a month. He came to the, to the window. I said, hey, come out here. Come outside. He came out. We got in my car and sat in the... I said, listen, I really know where I messed up. Now, he didn't like Brenda at all. He certainly didn't like what she had you know, how she made me act and how I was feeling all down and lonely and everything. He said, he said, yeah, you know, you're, 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 you're better off without her. I said, well, listen, I know where I made the mistake. I have not been living for Jesus. He looked at me kind of odd because that was not in his vocabulary. I said, I have figured this out and I'm going to get you to pray with me. And if you'll pray with me, I believe that God will give me that woman back. He said, you don't need that woman back. And we had that conversation for a little while. I said, you going to pray with me? He said, I'm not going to pray with you. I said, yes, you are. You're my best friend. He said, listen, I don't even know if there is a God. I said, I don't care whether you believe in God or not. You're going to pray with me. You told me that if I ever need anything, you would, you, you would do it. You're here for me and you're going to pray with me. He said, no, I'm not. I said, yes, you are. Now you pray with me and, and God's going to help me. I, I, I didn't know anything else but this. And this, you know, I, 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 I was desperate and desperate times call for prayer. So he finally agreed. He said, I don't even know how to pray. I said, well, you just say what I say. So I said, God, and I said, you say it. 
God. I mean, it was, it, was, it was amazing what God can use. You know, sorry, forgive me. Give me this woman back. If you give me this woman, I'll live for you the rest of my life, Lord. If you'll just give me this woman to marry. Now, I've been 18 a month. I said amen, and he kind of grappingly got out of the car and crawled back through his window. And I left that hill, and I drove about three miles and passed her house. I'd learned not to honk some years earlier. I drove on to, to the schoolhouse about another four mile, miles and turned left on the dirt road, and man, I am hooping it up down that dirt road. Wow, you know, sliding around those corners. I just loved, you know, just love that, you know. The last corner before I got to my house, and we were the only people that lived uh, down there for a couple of miles. The last corner, I came around that corner. Wow, there was a car coming straight at me. I hit my brakes locked up and that car locked up and we slid sideways. You know, it, it, it's midnight 30 by now, you know, and stopped. Dust was everywhere flying in the headlights. You can imagine it looked like a movie. It really did. And through the headlights and the dust, I saw a woman in a nightgown running through the dust. It was her. In a nightgown and a housecoat. Looked like a pretty good answer to prayer for me. <laughs> I got out of my car and we met in the middle of the cars and oh, and sat her down. And she said, she looked up at me and she said, would you take me back? And I said, no. <laughs> That's what I said. Talk about an idiot. No. She looked at me. She said, why? I said, because I can never have my heart broken like that again. The only way that I'll take you back is if you marry me. She looked at me and she said, I'll marry you. I said, no, I mean right now. She said, okay. So we left there and we went and drove and woke the preacher up. Calvary Baptist Church out in Sims. Roy Ford. Roy is a pastor over in Malta. You all know Roy, brother Roy Ford. <laughs> he did our 25th anniversary as well. We've been married 42 years now. We've been married six whole tribulation periods. <laughs> when down and woke her mom and dad up. They weren't none too happy. Went by, woke my mom and dad. She had went to my, what happened? Well, I was setting up on that hill there. And by the way, uh, we found out we had to have a license. So we had to wait till the next night at midnight and got married. We got married the next night at midnight. And uh, wow, 42 years ago. You know, uh, that, uh, it was, I had to skip a Friday from a honeymoon. Uh, on Monday, she had to write me a note to get back to school. <laughs> Isn't that funny? I didn't know what else to do. I mean, somebody's supposed to write a note. Your parents, I, I was married. I just took a note from my wife. I really did. That seems so silly now. But 
While I was praying up on that hill, doing my best, you know, it wasn't, wasn't the best prayer. It wasn't a real Bible kind of prayer, you know. It's just a good, good, I mean, I even had a guy with me who wasn't even sure he believed in God. But we were doing our best, praying. Just telling God what I wanted. Being honest with God. She had just got home from a date with a boy that she was dating when I first met her. And she was in the bathroom in her home getting, you know, getting all ready, whatever you have to do, you take makeup off, all that stuff. And while I was sitting up there praying, a wind blew on her house, blew her front door open, blew down the hall and blew the bathroom door open. And when it blew on her, all of a sudden, the only thing that she knew, she said, I have to find Ronnie. That's all she knew. And she took off out of her house, grabbed her keys, just like she was, left the door open, the lights on, didn't say nothing to mom or dad, and went and got in her car and took off looking for me and went and woke my mom and dad up, you know, at midnight 30 and said, where's your son? Now, don't you imagine, now, there, here, here, here's a woman in her nightgown at midnight 30 knocking on your door saying, oh, where's your son? <laughs> you can imagine what they thought, oh, you know. <laughs> And then they said, we don't know. You know, we, we don't know where he is. And so uh, she got back in her car, was taking off looking for me. Isn't that amazing? And that moment of prayer, the Holy Ghost blew upon her and gave her this overwhelming desire to be the answer that God wanted to my prayer. Amazing. And we got married, and it was 42 years, January the 19th. I love you more today than I ever have. You're my sweetheart. This is a wonderful, wonderful woman, wonderful mother, a good friend and partner, and a great teacher of the Word of God. Just don't let her counsel you because you'll feel like you've been beat up. Why didn't you do what God said to begin with? She's got one of those approaches. <laughs> you just obey God, you know. So, have you found Philippians yet? Philippians chapter 4. I'm going to ask the, uh, the, the, the folks that put things on the screen, would you look at the New Living Translation? Can you put the New Living Translation up there? I have the New King James Version here with me. But the New Living Translation in, in Philippians, the fourth chapter, we're going to be looking specifically at verse 6, and I'm going to give you some instructions today on living your life, okay? Now, these instructions... Uh, are designed to work for Christians. But I had an experience where somebody didn't even believe in God, uh, had some pretty good results from it. So if you're here today and you don't believe in God, I want you to give this a shot, okay? <laughs> I'm setting you up. You're gonna, you're gonna come to Jesus. Okay, uh, can, you, can you put Philippians? Is, is that possible? I don't know, is there a yes or a no? You can do it. Philippians, go, go ahead and see it up. Philippians 4, 6 in the New Living Translation. The New Living Translation. Let's see what it looks like. You ready? Here are the four steps to success. Are you ready? Everybody say this with me. Number one, don't worry about anything. 
Now this, whoa, this can be a tall order, can it? But I'm just going to encourage you, if you're here today without regard and without respect to what you're facing, and I know we all face some very difficult situations, but I'm going to encourage you with the word of God today that you would just stop worrying about it because worrying is not going to fix it, okay? And thinking about it's not going to fix it, and a number of other things won't fix it, but this is what will fix it. Number one, don't worry about anything. Number two, are you ready? Pray about everything. (laughs) Hey, that's a pretty good deal. Number one, don't worry about anything. Number two, pray about everything. Now, this is not original, by the way. This sermon's been around for over 2,000 years. Okay? And this is not going to be the last time you're going to hear this. But the reason you're hearing it right now is because you need it. Because I had a different approach to this same message. Uh, And right down there in that seat, the Lord had me go to this. I didn't even bring the right Bible for this particular scripture. But this is the one the Lord wants someone here to have. And you're important enough that he's making all the rest of us listen to it. Okay. Okay. Are you ready now? Number one, don't worry about anything. Number two, pray about everything. Number three, tell God what you need. Everybody say that. Tell God what you need. Now you can just be so bold as to tell God what you need. This is what we do in prayer. We tell God what we need. God has given us several voices. One is the voice of prayer. We use the voice of prayer to talk to God and to tell him what we need. That's you know, what someone else needs. Uh, you know, intercession, petition, uh, you know, uh, uh, giving of thanks to God. We pray to God. We also have a voice of confession by, by which we speak to ourselves and speak to others. You know, like, like uh, uh, you know, uh, you know I'm, I'm, I'm the healed. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not the sick. I'm the, you know. We have a voice of confession that's very important. We also have a voice of command by which we speak to the mountains and command them to move. I don't pray to the devil. I have a voice of command I can use on evil spirits and on mountains and on problems and on sickness and disease. I also have confession I can use on myself to renew my mind and to encourage other people or to counsel other people. But the voice of prayer is designed to go to God. And with the voice of prayer, we tell God what we need. We tell God what we want. Okay? Just as simple. Uh, how many of you uh, uh, need more money? Hmm? Okay, are you ready? I'm, don't worry about it. I'm, 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 I'm going to tell you, don't worry about it. And tell God what you need. Everybody say this with me. God, I need more money. That's called prayer. God's not ashamed of your money. Okay. How many of you could use a little better help in your uh, relationships? Anybody? Okay, you ready? God, I need help in relationships. <laughs> and then here's the key. Once we realize that worrying isn't going to fix it, instead we need to pray about it. And when we're praying, we just simply need to tell God what we need. The end of this thing is to then, number four, thank him for whatever he does. Okay? That's what the last of that scripture says. Thank him. Thank him for what he does. You know, uh, don't forget to thank God. And as you're thanking him for all the things he has already done in your life, you'll find yourself realizing that you're thinking a little different, you're feeling a little different, and you're wanting a little different. Because when we communicate with God, 
He will adjust what we believe. When we commit our ways to him, Proverbs 16, 3 says, he causes our thoughts to be established. As we delight ourselves in the Lord, he gives us the desires of our heart. That's our God. Today, there's something you need to pray about. You know, you may be in a situation like I was. You may be believing something that's not true. And it may be making you feel some ways that God doesn't want you to feel and nobody else wants you to feel that way. Thinking some things or wanting some things that really aren't good for you. You may be in a situation to where things are bad. But remember, no matter how bad they are, you can make them worse. Just determine the first thing you're going to do is not make it worse. You may be in a situation that you think that you have utterly destroyed and no one can do anything about it. Perhaps what you need to do is just stop and give it to God. Even though you may have messed it up or someone else has messed it up or someone else has made a decision that's beyond your control, nonetheless, God is able, okay? And we need to stop worrying about our jobs. We need to stop worrying about uh, you know, our, our, our family and our friends. We need to pray more than we worry. We need to pray more than we gossip. We need to pray more than we sit and think. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need, and then you thank him for all that he has done, and you leave it in his hands. I'm living testimony that God is able to accomplish his will if he can just get me to participate with him. And we participate most often through prayer. Stop worrying, start praying, make sure you tell God what you need, and then you be thankful. Amen? That's a pretty good deal, isn't it? Yeah, all right. Won't you stand to your feet? Today, I full well realize that some of you have situations that are large and looming in your life. You may be facing what the doctors have said is an incurable disease. And, you know, you may feel as though that there are situations, financial situations in your life and hurdles that, you know, are just going to take you under. Or perhaps there are decisions that need to be made and you really don't have any idea what to do about these critical moments of life. You know, God is right with you. He will help you. He knows where you are. Would you dare to lift your voice in prayer to him? I know we've had prayer time this morning, the altar already, but also there may be someone here who has never made Jesus the Lord and Savior of their life. He is here to save your soul. He is here to change your eternal life forever. He not only gave his son to save you from an eternity in hell, but he also gave his son to save you from the hell of this life. And he will do both if you will let him into your life. Just simply open up your heart and say to him, God, I recognize I need a Savior. And Lord, right now, I just give you, Lord, my life. I give you a, myself. Teach me about you, God. Come into my heart, my life. Save my soul. Forgive me of my sins. It's that simple to say I recognize I need a Savior. I repent of my sins and I receive you. It's just that simple to pray about any other need you have. Would you bow your head for a moment? What is it that you need to pray about? What is it, if not something in your life, is there something in a family member or a friend's life you need to pray for? 
What is it? Would you dare right now to decide that you're not going to worry about it, but you are going to pray about it? You're going to tell God what it is that you need, what it is that you want, and then you're going to be thankful to Him as you watch Him work. Would you do that with me right now? Would you lift up that need that you have right now? You don't have to come forward this morning to pray. Just pray right where you are. Father, Lord, we pray, God, and ask you for what we need, Lord. God, we thank you, sir, for the wisdom right now that you give us. We have decided that we're not going to worry about that job. We're not going to worry about that bill. We're not going to worry about, Lord, that person, that individual, that hurt, Lord, that problem, that that sickness, that pain, Lord. It's not, God, that we're not going to pay attention and do our due diligence, Lord, uh, to, 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 to give you something to work with, Lord. But, God, we're just not going to worry about it. Instead, Lord, we're going to pray about it. Lord, would you heal us, Lord? God, would you heal my wife? Would you heal her eyes, Lord? God, I need you to heal my wife's eyes, Lord. God, I just need you to take that that, that disease, Lord, and just destroy it out of her body, God. Lord, I just thank you for it, sir, so much, Lord. God, I I just want to thank you, sir. Lord, we're not going to worry about it, Lord. I'm going to pray, Lord, and we're going to ask you what we need, Lord, and then we're going to thank you, Lord. I thank you, God, for all the times, Lord, that you have touched my life, Lord, and healed me and given me direction, forgiving me, Lord, on that day, Lord, so long ago, Lord, 1973, Lord, you answered my prayer, Lord. I just want to thank you one more time, sir. Thank you for saving the souls, Lord, of my children. Thank you, God, for my grandchildren and their salvation, Lord. Thank you, God, for Pastor John, Lord, and God, all the work that he's done in this house, Lord. God, I just need you, Lord, to touch him, sir. Lord, just touch him, Lord, and just give him great rest, relaxation, Lord. Reprieve, Father, Lord, and heal him, strengthen him, God. Lord, strengthen this church. That's what we need, God. Lord, we just want to thank you for all the blessings this church is around the world, Lord, and here in this community. We thank you, God. Now, Lord, we need you to use us more, Lord. Use our church more, Lord, God. Father, we just need, Lord, for you to just bless us, Lord, and make us a blessing. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Thank you. Amen. Well, let's give Jesus a hand clap today. Great, great word. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You know, hopefully I have all three of these messages. Last night was different, and we can get them all online. You'll be able to listen to them because every one of them has been excellent. I know the next one will be too. You know, before you go, our altar team's going to be up here. If you want prayer for anything, something resonated in the message, something you still want to agree with somebody about, we'll pray with you. But uh, let's bless the man of God as he's come here and just so into the ministry as he travels all over the world and, and just help with the expenses there. But there'll be a Bible up here if you want to leave something up here or in the back with the ushers. You know, if you use the debit machine, just make sure you write, uh, Pastor Ron or Ron Hammond's on there. We'll make sure he gets that. Amen. Well, Father, we just thank you for a great, great day in your house. And Lord, just that reminder to just pray about everything and to thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Altars are open. We'll worship through one time. Uh, you can dismiss yourself after that and just st- go back to the Connect Room or to uh, if you're new to the church and get your gift bag. Otherwise, go to the Connect Cafe and have a little fellowship and a donut. I'll be found in you